fall off the chair. <laughs> um, you know, I really, I was thinking of our time together this morning, and I just, first of all, really had to say that I just am so, um, I, this is just an honor to be able to share God's word um, with you and with us. Um, when I came into the faith, I was 19 years old, and I, I heard excerpts of God's word all of my life. Um, God was always in the equation, but I never personally checked out his word until I was 19, and, and that was probably one of the most radical things that happened to me right away is that God's word just came alive, and I just sort of said, wow, I get this. I can understand this, and it's applicable to life today. And, and I have to tell you, um, after these many years of um, being in the faith, I'm, it's more true today. God's word is, is, has more of a meaning, more of an impact uh, to me to, today than when I first was introduced to it. And I, ho- I hope that's one of my heart's desires for us as a body is that we will get that, that God has given us his word uh, so that we can escape the corruption that's in the world and we can become partakers of his heavenly nature, his divine nature. He wants us to have direction. He wants us to have light. He wants us to have purpose, comfort, exhortation when we need it. it. Everything is in his word that we need pertaining to life. And he just wants us to get that. I was thinking when we were singing and also in preparation for coming up here that even though we know truth and we know something of God's word, after life and experience, um, I think he can expand that and we can know more meaningfully what his word means. We have a depth and breadth to it. And, um, and I was thinking of the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that I've quoted often and, and, and repeated to myself. And it says, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, Paul was saying. Though the outward man perishes, decays, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And then he talks about where we're looking. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. And God wants us to be in, be in, grow in the habit of seeing the unseen living our life in terms of the unseen. And this is what this story is all about that we're going to be looking at this morning. I was just thinking, too, in preparation of coming out, I used, I, when I was a younger man, I, re, I believed that the outward man is decaying. Um, now that I'm a little bit older, I go to the bathroom before I speak because I know that my bladder only has so much capacity. <laughs> I adjust my hearing devices, and I clean my glasses, and I know experientially that the outward man decays. But hopefully, in that scenario, the new man is renewed day by day. When eternity steps into time, and that's exactly what we're talking about. By the way, I love that clip. I, I almost think Pastor Chris would probably reprove me for this, but I think we should have it almost every Sunday, because that's it. I mean... And then Charles Spurgeon, who, who better can you have share the word? Or a reasonable facsimile thereof. But that, wasn't that awesome? And it just kind of zeroes in and focuses our heart. And that's what Advent is all about. When eternity steps into time, the ordinary turns into extraordinary. These people that we're reading about during the Christmas story, they were just living their life and then, bam, eternity stepped into time and changed the course of their life. God sends waves and ripples of grace and love and mercy through the whole universe that's still washing over us today. Can you imagine 2,000 years later, the Lord's word is just as real And his salvation and his promise of salvation and forgiveness is just as real. It's touched us. We're united with all these brethren that have gone on before. To me, that's amazing when we think about that, that God turns ordinary things into extraordinary, and he just ripples through. Listen to this verse, a familiar verse in 2 Corinthians 4. 
But he says, for all things are for your sakes, that the grace that is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. You want to glorify God? Let thanksgiving pour out of our lives. When eternity steps into time and space, something tremendous happens. He turns ordinary beings and people into extraordinary beings and people. When eternity steps into my life, not just generically, but my life, when we step into eternity, God sends waves and ripples of his love and grace and mercy through the universe, through our spheres of influence, we can have an effect on eternity. Do you believe that? I do. Just think. Just think of a few verses, just isolated verses. When a sinner repents, what happens? All the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. Praise God. That's probably why they're worshiping so much. God is more God's grace is spreading to more and more people. And he's magnified and glorified when we get it and we, and we give him his place. When we proclaim individually and corporately that Jesus is Lord, it gives glory to the Father, it says in Ephesians 2. Isn't that amazing? That this gathering has an effect on eternity. We can actually store up treasures in heaven. That's not just talking about gold bullion, but it's talking about people, and it's talking about real valuable things. And we can have an effect on eternity, and we can have people that are in heaven because of our faithfulness, because eternity stepped into our life. Paul said that. Who's my hope and my joy and my crown of exaltation? He says it's you. In the presence of the Lord, when he comes back, you are my hope and my joy. When we get it and we shift our focus and we start pursuing heavenly things, it has an impact here and now, but it has an impact on eternity. The Lord told Cornelius, even before he was saved, that his money, his alms, and his good deeds ascended to God. Isn't that cool? Our lives count, and he turns ordinary beings into extraordinary people. Galatians 4.4 4 says this. At the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Our lives count in eternity and matter to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I think that's really cool. I think that's cool. I'd like us to, um, <clears throat> well, first of all, I just want to mention this. This story that we're going to look at to today, it's just really neat to me. It's like being a fly on the wall. And, and, and getting to listen in on this intimate conversation between the angel Gabriel and Mary. And it's just such a neat story. Um, and, but before we do that, I would like us to stand and I would like us to sing this song, familiar song, but listen to the words. And we're going to sing this a cappella and, and, um, and let's just make this our opening prayer today to the Lord inviting him to come in and do this work in our life, and then we'll continue on, all right? So let's stand, <clears throat> and we'll get this going. Come, thou fount of every blessing, to my heart to sing thy Song, melodious song, and 
Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Have a seat. I'm going to be reading from Luke 1, 26 to 38. So if you join me there, you can scroll there if you're a high-tech person, or you can turn in your Bibles if you're an old-time person. But uh, we're going to look at Luke 1. <clears throat> Here we have, as God's children, 2,000 years later, have this insider information. Isn't that cool? Mary's contact with this amazing angel and her response and how that ripples through life and eternity and the universe and up to, up to now. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. You could see her kind of looking over her shoulder and saying, Who are you talking about? But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason... The uh, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth uh, has also conceived a son in her old age, and she was called barren, and now is in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me. According to your word, and the angel departed from her. At the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman. And that word fullness is just an amazing word. It means perfect timing. It's perfect timing. Everything comes together at a perfect moment in time. We've talked about culturally. We've talked about historically. Everything came together at this perfect time. And, and we'll see later on, that's not only generic worldwide or in that time, but it's also personal for Mary. Um, it means ripe. It means it's time is for the harvest. This is the perfect time for these events to converge and have an effect. This is where eternity stepped in to humanity and time and space. And it had this, has this ongoing ripple effect through the lives of men and women, uh, and it will until the, well, all, all the way into eternity. It says in Ephesians 2 that God will just be scratching the surface and showing us his mercy and grace, and we'll know about that in eternity. And we think we have that down pat. This work of his just keeps on sweeping through the lives of men and women and his creation. Gabriel was an archangel. He was one of these guys that was just named personally. Um, and he, had, he has an assignment for the nation of Israel. We see Gabriel active in the book of Daniel, and he's the one that appeared with, for Dan, with Daniel and gave him these amazing answers to prayer and prophecies about the future. And here we see him um, involved in the life of this young woman, unknown, the world is not worthy of her. They don't even know about her. And yet God sent Gabriel to stand in her presence and give her this awesome promise from God. Gabriel was active all through the word and still is active in that region today. I'm convinced of that. Prophetic things, as we've talked about before, that they, some people had no clue about the coming Messiah, the word of God, they just live their life. 
Some people, as Pastor Chris pointed last week, they knew the answers. They knew where Jesus was supposed to be born, but they just knew information and had no impact on their lives. But then you read in this, in this story a little bit after Jesus was born, you see the lives of two people in the temple. Uh, one guy's name is Simeon, and one lady's name is Anna. And, and they walked into the temple doing their ordinary things one day, and the Messiah was there. And God, Simeon was so aware of prophetic things and God's reliability and his word and in direction that God had even told him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And that's pretty specific. And that's pretty amazing. And then Simeon walks into the temple and here the Lord Jesus is with his mom and dad. And he said, this is it. This is what you were talking about. Lord, you can take me home right now because you fulfilled your promise and I'm ready to go. God invaded their lives specifically in extraordinary ways, right in the midst of living their life out in the realm of the ordinary. And God wants us to get a hint of that in our lives too. I want to take a little bit and look at Mary because I think, I think she's an extraordinary woman. Actually, she's one of my heroes. Um, and I think we can see some elements of walking by faith and not by sight linked into her life that will give us hope and, and, and effect on our lives today. She was chosen by God. She was chosen personally by God. She was a descendant of David. Joseph was a descendant of David. That all converged in Joseph and Mary, and, and it gave claim for the throne of the King of David to the Lord Jesus. Was that accidental? That was specific and personal and at the fulfillment at the right time. Mary was chosen. The Lord says of us that we're chosen in him before the foundations of the earth. We have a standing with God in the very same way that Mary did. And the world might not even know who we are, but God knows who we are. She was favored. I love that. Favored one. That's the same root word as the word grace. God lavished his grace on her. Undeserved favor. Just because he is good, he lavished his grace on her. And, and God wanted her to know that. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. She's going to have to remember that when you think of the, the timeline of life that she's going to live out and the difficulties that she would have had believing God's word in the midst of things in her life. But the Lord is with you. And then he said, fear not. Had, we don't get a hint that she was quivering in her sandals. But boy, I don't know how I think I would be if the angel appeared to me. And he told her, don't fear. This is not a fearful thing. I want you to understand that God is in the middle of this. Don't fear. Fear dilutes faith. And it does for us too. Fear dilutes faith. And he said, don't fear. God is in this. And you're going to see some amazing things happen. I love it, too, that part of faith in this faith journey that she had in this encounter was that she engaged the angel. Divine curiosity is different than unbelief. And I think that's probably the difference we see with Zacharias, John's dad, and Mary's question. They seem kind of similar, don't they? We'll talk about that in the following weeks, Zacharias. But she had Divine curiosity, and rightly so. How in the world is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. So he told her, told her, this amazing, extraordinary thing is going to happen to you. The Holy Spirit's going to come over you. God's going to put his seed in you, and you are going to bear a son that's going to be an extraordinary son. She dialogued with the angel. What's happening here? And I think part of walking by faith is that we can dialogue with God, that we can talk to him, that we can ask him to clarify things. If you guys are reading the devotional this month, you, you'll cross paths with Heather's devotional, and she addresses that very issue of 
tension in belief, in, in struggles that we have, in questions that brings up in our heart, that God brings up in our heart, and how we can dialogue about those and wrestle with God about those. And Mary did that. She was engaged with the angel. She didn't know something. She laid it out. We can do the same thing. God wants us to engage with him and say, how does this work? And Lord, you're good, and I'm going to trust you, and your word is true, but I don't get how this works. And she did that very thing. I, I love this about, about walking by faith, too. God laid out these amazing promises. You're going to have this son that's going to be divinely conceived. He's going to be called the son of God. He's going to inherit the throne of David. He's going to live. He's going to have an eternal kingdom that doesn't end. That's a, those are amazing promises. And if you think about that, if she had to wrestle them out, she did not know the whole picture. She did not know how this is all going to play out. And as she lived her life, it, she definitely had to figure out how this worked because things in her life were in conflict with these promises of God. Just think about her 33 years future, standing at the cross, with her son on the cross dying, and she remembers these promises. He's, he's going to have an everlasting kingdom. He's going to inherit the throne of his father, David. Wow, how does that work, God? You know, there's obviously a conflict here. She didn't understand the whole thing, but what she did is she had confidence in the person and goodness of God. And she also had confidence in the promises of God, somewhat like Abraham in, in Romans 4. It says, Abraham looked at his own body as good as dead in the deadness of Sarah's womb, but yet with respect to the promises of God, he did not waver in unbelief. He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised, even in light of these things that, that fought against the belief that this is going to happen for him. She had to go through these promises and she had to wrestle this out. I think it shows too there's an ongoing nature, there's a timeline in this walk of faith that we're engaged in, brothers and sisters. It starts when we come to know the Lord. That's when God invades our heart and puts his spirit in us. But that commitment is confirmed over and over and over again, situation by situation, difficulty by difficulty, Every time we are faced with things that fight against the promises of God, looking like they're going to be fulfilled, we recommit to the Lord. God, you, you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it. But God, you said this, and this is why I'm placing my confidence right here. And that's what she did. She was a woman of faith. She didn't get it all. I love the word pondering. It's only listed three times in the New Testament. And it's an interesting word because it, it means wrestle this out. It means reason this through. And you could just sort of see her pondering. Okay, here I am, Mary, and here's what this angel says. Wow, how does that work, you know? And she reasoned it out. And every time she did that, she landed in the person of God. She's, she got stuck in the character of God. She landed right there in God's promise. A number of times she pondered because she didn't get that. And she reasoned it out and she landed on confidence in God. That's where God wants us to wrestle things out and reason things out. She was submissive and she yielded. She was trusting she invested her weight and leaned it against the promise of, of the angel. <clears throat> Mary had one of the greatest statements of faith that you can read in the scriptures. And I think it's only surpassed by that of Jesus in the garden when he was talking to the father and saying, I don't like plan A. Is there a plan B? You know, this death on the cross does not sound too good right now, Father. But how did he end that prayer? Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Mary's statement of faith to me was just right there next to that. 
This amazing promise, this supernatural occurrence that she had no idea how it was going to affect her life. And she said, behold, behold the bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. Isn't that cool? I think that's the spot that God wants us to land every day and every time as we go through life circumstances and we're confronted with these things that fight against God's will and God's word being affected in our lives that we can say, here I am. I'm your servant. Do it, because I sure can't do it. I can't make this real in my life. She was a woman of faith, even at a young, as a young teenager. Um, and, and she, to me, is an extraordinary example of a person that walks by faith. Walking by faith and not by sight means engaging the very person of God and his character and his goodness and landing in that place. Abraham did it, the Lord Jesus did it, Mary did it, and God wants us to do that. Very same thing. God is good. God is faithful. There's not one jot, comma, that's going to be unfulfilled in his word. How he's going to do that, I have no clue. But I know he's going to do it. God's promises are reliable. They're true. We can ask him questions. We can engage. But he wants us to land on his character and his word. Obedience is part of that too. You can almost use the word obedience in the same expression as the word faith. Obedience is acting on what God said. Living our life as if God's word was very true and what he has to say is true. If you think of the roughest circumstances that, you, that we've been through or you've been through and up to this point in time, and I know some have very recent tough circumstances, and we wrestle through those things of God's goodness, how would we respond if the Lord Jesus himself came and tapped us on the shoulder and said, Mike, this is hard, I know it's hard, but I really am in control. And if he did that personally and individually, we would have a different response in going through life, wouldn't we? We could, we could say, okay, this hurts. I don't like it. I didn't choose it, but I'm going to trust you, Lord Jesus, and let's get through this. God wants us to live our life in that way because he is saying that to us. He is in control. He does love us. He does have a plan that he's working out, and we're part of that. I love it, too, that you see the corporate nature of faith. The angel said, look, if you want to see a miracle, you know your cousin Elizabeth, who's really old? She's actually pregnant in her third trimester. Go check it out. That would be an encouragement to you. And she did that. She went to Elizabeth. And then we have this amazing exchange between Elizabeth and Mary. And you read that. This is the last part on looking at Mary. She was a woman that was saturated with God's word. She was saturated with it. And for a young teenager in this time in history, you had to be intentional and do extraordinary things for a young woman to know God's word. It wasn't open for young women. And yet she was, you read the Magnificat, and it was saturated. Five psalms are quoted. Two prophets are quoted. She just poured out God's word. It just came out of the abundance of her heart. Her mouth spoke. And God wants us to be men and women that just speak God's word to him, to ourselves, and to one another. Isn't that cool? That's part of that corporate nature of walking by faith. She went to see Elizabeth, and, um, and they just had this amazing exchange. Now, what's the application? Well, I, th I think the application is just like, just like Mary. It's God-centered. God started it. God's doing it, God's going to bring it to an end. And, you know, don't we, aren't we sort of going through the same process? Um, Jesus comes along and whispers in our ear, I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to make you a brand new creature, and I want to give you something that I've saved you for, and I want you to get a hold of that and grab a hold of that. 
How can that happen, Lord? I'm just a wretched person. I'm just a sinful person. How can that happen? Child, I've seen you at your very worst. You haven't even seen yourself at your very worst. I've seen you at your very worst, and yet I died for you, and I proved my love for you, and I've got this. I'm going to send my spirit into you, and he's going to start changing you from the inside out. He's going to form Christ in you, and you're going to be a new creation. Wow, Lord, how can you do that? But I'm going to trust you. That's my only hope. Do what you've promised, Lord, in me. That's my hope. Don't we have to trust the Lord that very same way that Mary did? We take these amazing promises, these supernatural statements. He says, I'm going to make you a new creature. You're going to be holy, blameless, beyond reproach. You're going to have the audience in the ear of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we sit back in our ordinary state and say, wow, how can that be? Lord, do that. Do that in me. Paul said to the Colossians, he said, you know, guys, this is, what, this is the center. This is why I'm in birth pangs for you. I labor and strive because I want to see Christ formed in you. Isn't that true in our life that we have to trust God to do that work in us and we have to trust God to do that work in others? And it's so hard sometimes to believe God's working in brethren when we see them self-destructing and making horrible decisions and say, oh, man, Lord. And yet we have to believe God to do his work in us and our brethren too. So what do we do while we're in this day-by-day realm of the ordinary? Well, I think, I think we spend time in God's presence. He said in Psalm 32, Psalm 34, one of those psalms. When I say seek, Psalm 27, when I say seek your face, when Lord, when you say seek my face, my heart said to you, thy face, oh Lord, I'll seek. God is welcoming us to come into his presence and receive from his hand. Mary, another thing about walking by faith is she was an amazing, she was, her words are draining and dripped, filled with worship. And God just loves it when his children give him thanks for who he is and what he's done on our behalf. He wants us to become worshipers. And let me tell you, I'm convinced of this, brothers and sisters, that thanksgiving and praise is a fast track into his presence It's a fast track to realign. It's a fast track to put ourselves in right alignment with him. Just thanksgiving and praise. We can do that. We can do that. When we get our eyes off of King Mike and put them on King Jesus, you know, we can do that. If we, how do we enter into his gates? With thanksgiving. How do we enter into his presence, into his courts? With praise. And it's a fast track to allow him to do his work in us. I'd like to close by reading a a promise that the Lord made to us through Zacharias, John's dad. We'll probably hear more about this in the next couple of weeks, but I'm just preempting that and grabbing it for myself. But Luke 1, verses 73 to 75. Let's just close on this and, and listen to this awesome promise. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of the enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. He wants us to understand that the guilt and condemnation is removed. It only comes from the enemy or our own heart but he wants us to serve him without fear every day of our life, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercies of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us 
to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isn't Just in reading that, isn't that like a breath of fresh air and water washing over us? God just wants us to get it, who we are in him and him welcoming us into his presence. And it's because he stepped in, eternity stepped in to time and space. Eternity stepped into me and you. And he wants us to live that way so that we can have an effect on eternity. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we surely don't get it all. But we just ask you, Lord, and we say like your servant Mary did. Lord, here we are. We're your children. We're your bondservants. Be it done to us according to your word. We give you that permission, Father, to do what you have to do to make us like the Lord Jesus. And it's in his awesome name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.
virgin girl one night one empty manger and one child come to save the their harps of gold peace on the earth goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious king the world in solemn stillness lay to you the angels to you
still through broken skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled still the heavenly music floats or all our weary world above the sad and lonely place they bend on every wing and never over vowel sounds the blessed angels the angels sing sing Star of wonder, star.